Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Nonprofit Utopia Podcast, formerly known as Nonprofit U. Our podcast is an extension of our community, and we provide a forum where nonprofit stakeholders can share lessons learned and discuss the latest developments in the industry. My name is Valerie Leonard, your host. I'm the founder of Nonprofit Utopia the ideal community for emerging nonprofit leaders. I work with nonprofit organizations to help them make a stronger impact to their clients and communities. You can find out more about us on nonprofitutopia.com, Facebook, and Twitter. I encourage you to follow us and to comment early and often using today's hashtags, Nonprofit Utopia, Academia, Storybolt, and DEI On Demand. You can also leave comments on blogtalkradio.com forward slash nonprofit utopia on this episode page. And the chat room is open. You can post comments and questions. In order to use the chat room, all you have to do is click onto the little icon beneath the chat box, and you'll find that link um, immediately is, is pretty prominent. And if you have a question that you don't want to share in the chat box, please feel free to email me. You can send your email to Valerie F. Leonard at nonprofitutopia.com. And obviously, I won't be able to respond while we're on air, but I will respond just as soon as I can. We'll be taking questions by phone and from our chat room at about the 30 minute mark or so. The call in number is 347 884 8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. We encourage you to sign up for a mailing list to keep abreast of the latest developments with the nonprofit Utopia community as well as our podcast. And we have included a link to our mailing list in the comment section. So when we study issues surrounding marginalized communities, our information is often limited to textbooks, newspaper articles, and our experiences within our own neighborhoods, our organizations, or our places of work. What if we could expand our knowledge and experience to learn from activists around the world and exchange lessons learned across our borders? We'll talk about how you can use on-demand short documentaries and live video conference with filmmaker activists to take your organization's commitment to issues related to diversity and inclusion to the next level. We'll also talk about the upcoming third annual award ceremony sponsored by Dacademia Storybolt and Humanity Rising at the Gene Siskel Film Center. The theme for this year's program is gun violence locally and globally. The goal of the award ceremony is to celebrate documentary filmmakers who give voice to survivors of gun violence and to bring awareness to the critical situation of gun violence in the U.S. through storytelling and engaging participants in an action-based dialogue. Today's guest is Dr. Nassim Abdi, Ph.D., she is the CEO and co-founder of Dacademia, which is now being rebranded to Storybolt. Nassim has 12 years of academic teaching experience and was the leading actress in the Venice Film 
Festival award-winning film. Her vision for the Storybolt Company was shaped by the life-changing experience of the film as it engaged her in Q&A sessions and exposed her to the power of film and how candid human connections could change the perspectives of people. So thank you so much today, uh, Ms. Singh. We're really, really happy to have you. But before we get started, let's talk a little bit about your journey as an entrepreneur. So how did you come to start Dacademia, which has now been rebranded to Storybolt? Sure. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Ali. It's my pleasure and I'm delighted to share my experience. So <laughs> based on, like, I'll, I'll just add to the um, uh, great intro that you've uh, shared um, that my experience started in academia, in uh, teaching. And um, mm-hmm. actually, Storybook, back then, academia was born uh, in my university classroom when I was teaching to my students about a topic that was very close to my heart, impact of war on people. And I was trying to mm-hmm. share, um, unfortunately, personal experience with war. I grew up during the brutal eight years of war. And... I was sharing that experience and the fact that I lost my fiance due to the chemical attacks um, oh, no. during that war. And it was a really, um, a really um, sad moment when I was sharing those experiences and I noticed that my students are not engaged. They couldn't re- relate mm-hmm. to the um, story. They've never really experienced the war in their life for real. All this mm-hmm. thing was on TV mm-hmm. and, you know, um, reports and numbers about wars, how many people got killed or that kind of stuff. And, but because it was something so close to my heart and I really wanted them to understand this experience, I was trying to think what could I, uh, what else I could do to engage them in this story. And I decided to, to try something new. I showed them mm-hmm. a short documentary about the issue and invited a uh, filmmaker the filmmaker of the film um, to join them on video chat and so they could ask their questions and um, learn more about the issue. So it was a very powerful experience and um, it changed everything. They got engaged. I saw tears. They, they asked brilliant questions. They wanted to um, do something about the issue. And uh, for me, I decided to quit teaching and um, get a team together and make a platform that make this experience possible in classrooms and beyond classrooms, everywhere that we need to learn about experiences that we don't have in our own lifetime that are important mm-hmm. to understand. So that was how the academia back then was born. And mm-hmm. um, so the idea of showing a documentary and, um, Talking with the filmmaker also was something that was, again, based on a personal experience. I happened to be in a film that went to international film festivals, was um, award-winning. And when I came to Europe as an international student in 2003, um, the film happened to be on Netflix. So wherever I went, they wanted oh, to wow. have a screening and a Q&A. And at first, I was shy as an international student so it was not an easy thing for me to get engaged in conversations um 
mm-hmm. another language. But <laughs> but then after the first <laughs> few Q and A's, I found that this is actually the best part of the film. I found my best friends through this. Q&As, I made connections with people, we could sit down and go deep into the issue and they love to um, hear about the behind the camera stories and I love to hear their feedback about of what was mm-hmm. shown in the film. So that's how I thought on that day of my class, I thought, oh, what if they could do it with a film instead of, a stuff, instead of a, an article or book or anything else? What if there is something that they could watch, a documentary that they could watch, mm-hmm. and they could hear from behind the camera? So, so yeah, that was the story of how it was born. <laughs> awesome. So is this a social enterprise or is it a traditional business? It is. It is a social enterprise. It's, it's a for-profit company mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the mission of, uh, with the mission of helping ignored voices to um, ignored voices to get heard, so the idea is uh, it should be independent uh, or self-sustained, so we don't um, need to apply for grants or money from outside. So it should work by itself. But the profit goes to filmmakers and uh, voices from ignored communities. And um, so that's how we built the platform to be something that is is a social enterprise. Okay, great. So what exactly is Storybolt? I mean, you you touched on it, um, but can you go a little Mm -hmm. bit deeper and, you know, let us know, you know, what it is and how it works? Absolutely. So... Storybolt is a one-stop platform that connects documentary filmmakers to organizations. And mm-hmm. basically, it's a SaaS platform that has subscriptions, annual subscriptions for companies and corporations now. It started from universities, and then soon we found that there are other uh, places that need these kind of stories to be to learn about and to get engaged with. And we mm-hmm. extended it to... Um, companies and corporations who want to take their initiatives on diversity and inclusion to the next level. They don't want to just make it as a checklist item, but they really want to do something about it, and they want the company's culture to understand it deeply. Um, They can get a subscription through our platform, and through that subscription, they will have access to close to 3,000 short documentaries from 112 countries around the world, and also through the calendar tool in, in the platform, they can book a live uh, video chat with the mm-hmm. filmmaker. So not only they can screen uh, the film and watch it as a team and with the filmmaker, but they can also have a live video chat with the filmmaker, no matter where they are geographically located. Okay, great. So... Is there also a place within this platform that people can go and have conversations, you know, online in a private space, you know, other than like Facebook or LinkedIn or something like that? So uh, do you mean like connecting with the filmmaker on a chat, like a private chat? 
Yeah, and and is there a dedicated space for that yeah. group? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So um, we are working on that module actually, as we're talking, mm-hmm. to see if we could um, provide that um, so they could directly chat with the filmmaker and on a separate time. Right now, what what is available is because of also the busy life of filmmakers who are always at the scene and you know recording or at the location engaged with their next story. Um, it seems like what works for filmmakers right now is to have a specific time that they will announce that like their availability. And mm-hmm. um, as soon as the company books that time, the filmmaker would be available for a live video chat with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now that's the only time that we have with the filmmakers, but we are also working on a module of um, providing that private channel so they can continue the conversation. And we're also working mm-hmm. with another uh, organization, a nonprofit, Humanity Rising, um, that connects employees and um, companies to um, the same cause and the same theme that they're interested in um, through mm-hmm. student movements. So, for example, if they are passionate about um, giving, uh, bringing um, awareness and um, um, understanding on challenges that um, LGBTQ community are facing in workplace or in society overall, um, they can connect to a student movement that is sort of uh, making that happen um, in real Mm -hmm. life. So they can connect to that student, to that student leader, and support him or her on that movement, and they can really experience it, what it means to be um, supporting or bringing awareness on that cause. Oh, that is awesome! 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 And thanks for sharing that. Sure. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to share. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, so I want to remind you that you're listening to the Nonprofit Utopia podcast, and we're speaking with Dr. Nassim Abdi. She is the CEO and co-founder of Storybolt. We'll be taking questions from our listening audience and chat room at about the 30-minute mark. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347 884 8121. And if you have a question that you would like to post, you know, feel free. You can start posting your questions right now, and then I will be sure to share them with Nassim. And I see a good friend of mine is, has joined us in the chat room. This is Reverend Marcus Tab Sr. And Reverend Tab, just so you know, he is not only a pastor of a local church, but he's very active in the community, and he and I have been knowing each other all of our lives, so we're both five years old today. (laughs) But but, um, he is very active in the community, and he may have some questions, you know, after we're done or while we're done. So, Reverend Tapp, please feel free to to post questions um, when you get a chance. 
So uh, we've also noticed that our international audience is growing, and we would like our podcast guests to reflect views from around the world. So if you're listening from a country other than the United States and you know of heads of NGOs that we should be considering to have on our show, please contact us at info at nonprofitutopia.com. So, Nassim, we are very familiar with the power of storytelling as it relates to fundraising, helping us bring in money, and raising awareness of our organizations and of our issues. So how can storytelling be used to address issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion, as well as marginalized people in communities? Great question, Lily. Um, actually, storytelling is uh, becoming more and more um, known as one of the most powerful um, ways of bringing uh, voices of like unheard voices of marginalized communities because it's sort of changing it from being numbers and stats to a story of real people. Uh, let me use an example. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the best way is to um, uh, use an example of uh, a film that we had actually was the, the award winner of the, our first uh, film festival. So the way that we started mm-hmm. uh, storyboards back in the academia was like as soon as we find out that we need short documentaries on social justice issues, um, on different uh, varieties of topics, we decided to start our own film festival. We decided to announce mm-hmm. a short documentary contest and receive films from all around the world. And to our surprise, in less than two months, we got 529 films from 88 countries from around the world. Wow, <laughs> that was wow. a great, yeah, it was so exciting. At the same time, it was a good challenge to have because now we had to review all these 500 films and <laughs> um, select the top uh, three, which was a really fun project process. And we created a system with a team of reviewers, and each film got reviewed by two people. If they disagreed, there was a third person. We used university partnership on that. So it was a really fun process. <laughs> but what mm-hmm. happened through this process uh, was that instead of us going to all these um, famous film festivals who have these award-winning films, which are amazing, we said, let's reach out broader than that. Let's open the, the diverse um, line and opportunity for everyone from everywhere around the world in this era of technology that it's possible, let's ask them to submit their stories and what they have. And the team was early childhood the first year. Early childhood from all different perspectives. Early childhood and immigration, early childhood um, and gender, early childhood and early childhood development. So any any topic related early childhood. And that was in 2016. Um, when we got a film that became our uh, award winner of that year called The Yop. The Yop actually was a film about a sh- uh, sort of a refugee camp in Iraq. And the film was mm-hmm. focused on a young boy, a 12-year-old, whose dream was to become a director, to make a film about 
his community, which are Yazidi community that was under attack by by ISIS and um, really suffered from mm-hmm. um, ISIS terrorism. And um, so his dream was to become a filmmaker, to make a film about his community and give sort of bring this voice of his community to the rest of the world and let them know how much they're suffering so they could he could get help for them. And the film was like a 20-minute story of this young boy and how he was trying to um, um, get his younger um, fellows in this refugee camp motivated to join him and um, mm-hmm. making a film and making a film. And it was a really heartbreaking story, but at the same time, it was amazing that we got this film and the story and we learned about what they are suffering from in this strategic um, camp and how this community overall is um, being uh, really marginalized. Nobody heard their stories. Nobody talked about them. And that was a year and a half before New Yorker published any story about the Yazidi community. That was a year and a mm-hmm. half before um, they went to UN and talked about this community. So mm-hmm. this story was in our part of our um, film festival and became the winner. And at School of Arts of Chicago, we had the award ceremony and we all watched it together and the filmmaker uh, joined us from uh, Kurdistan, Iraq and talked with us. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty amazing to just listening to this story sort of brought to life the whole um, suffering that they went through and mm-hmm. everything that they had to deal with, uh, which I, 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 I'm sure you agree with me that no, um, no stat or numbers could do that. It was like right. bringing that story to life. So that was just one example. We have close to 3,000 examples there. <laughs> and <laughs> all of them are awesome. as exciting as this one. <laughs> okay, so I'm curious, how were you able to reach, you know, so many people around the world so quickly? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. This is the era of technology as much as, I have this love and hate relationship with technology. <laughs> I hate it when I spend most of my time on my device and <laughs> trying to reach out to people and social media and everything. And I feel like I'm losing mm-hmm. every moment uh, of my day. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I love it because there are platforms that are amazing. For example, this platform that we use for our film festival called Film Freeway that was created by um, three um, passionate people who wanted to give voice to independent filmmakers and wanted Mm -hmm. to have a platform for uh, film festivals that is open to everyone and it's by design is international. The founders are from US, Canada and Spain. And so they got connected to more than thousands of like hundred thousands of filmmakers from all around the world. And now it's a very popular platform. It's a platform that Sundance and many other big festivals are also announced there. And Mm -hmm. we just created our festival there. We just told them that all we want is stories, um, authentic stories, 
um, it should be a short documentary. We had a criteria, we put it there, and we said um, the only difference is if your film gets selected and meets the uh, requirements that we have, your film would be matched with the topic of classrooms. Back then, we were only working with universities. So your film would be matched with the topic of classrooms, and we will invite you to be a guest speaker in that class on video chat and talk with the students and faculty members about your film. And you also mm-hmm. get paid for that. <laughs> so oh, that is it was, it, Yeah, so at, after two months, we had to close the, the submission <laughs> because we couldn't really, we didn't have the resources to review more than 500 films. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did the same thing the second year, and this year also with Gun Violence, we uh, received 1,300 films. Um, actually, 1,311 films, to be more exact, from 112 countries. And um, it's a very exciting process because you hear stories that you rarely hear from mainstream media, or um, yeah, it, it's a pretty uh, amazing process. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I'm going to ask you to do this prematurely, um, but where might people find these stories? I, I was really fascinated when I went to your your website and saw, you know, a sampling of, of some of the stories. So where's your website? Where might they see a sampling of the stories? Sure. So, Storybolt.com is um, the new platform that, after we rebranded from uh, the academia, now is Storybolt like a lightning bolt. <laughs> Storybolt.com okay. is where they can see snapshots uh, of some of the films. But right now we are um, still a B2B platform, B2B platform that works with organizations. Um, mm-hmm. can uh, like a trailer or brief uh, description about each film um, and hopefully one day we can open it to public soon. Okay. Awesome, awesome. Now what I found interesting is one of your case studies was about a young boy. He was, what, 12 years old? His name was Dyad and he Mm -hmm. was a Kurdish Yazidi boy was lived at the Arbat refugee camp since the horrendous Islamic State attacks on his village at Shingle Mountains, Sinkar, right? And his dream mm-hmm. is to become a filmmaker. So is that the same story you just shared it with is, me, or is. is this yet yeah, a different that, one? Oh. That, that's, okay. Yeah, that's the story. That's, uh, and I was amazed that uh, you just mentioned it. <laughs> it is uh, <laughs> the story that was <laughs> there, yeah. Yeah, it's compelling. But that's this, a very this is a typical kind of both of us. <laughs> it is, it is, and it is honestly, anyway, this is a typical story of uh, other films that you can find in the platform. So we had um, mm-hmm. stories from um, uh, Nepal about polluted water mm-hmm. of Nepal and these water activists mm-hmm. who were trying to get clean water back to their uh, village. And um, the beauty of that story was not only hear from, um, like, hear the stories of people who, how they, they fought for getting clean water back, but also when mm-hmm. we talked with the filmmaker, 
we heard behind the camera stories from him because he was an activist and he was someone who mm-hmm. um, worked hard in that field for several years and he had lots of experience. He had insight about not only the water pollution in Nepal, but also Flint, Michigan. Like he had really interesting points to make and compare them and mm. um, and the resistance that people have when something like this comes and how um, the beauty of people getting together and asking for something that is not there. And then um, another part that was really interesting was that when we invited the filmmaker to be part of a conference at Johns Hopkins um, and talked with faculty members on um, uh, environmental issues, and then mm-hmm. after the conference was over and he got paid, uh, we learned that uh, what this little amount that we could um, distribute because of his um, service and his um, uh, contribution to the conference was equal to six months of his salary in his currency for a family of four. So oh, awesome. the, this... Um, the fact that it's not only hearing about these stories and uh, their knowledge, but also making it an equal opportunity for them to uh, participate in the conversation and also um, mm-hmm. get paid for this valuable knowledge that they're sharing um, mm-hmm. is the part that keeps us going forward and <laughs> keeps us moving forward and trying hard for it. We have many, several stories, local and international, that are the same. And they all sort of show the power of storytelling. They all Mm -hmm. part of this uh, fascinating uh, process of hearing one person's story and engaging with that story Mm -hmm. helps us know that that person and that community rather than just hearing hearing about them. We hear it with Mm -hmm. them and from them rather than about them. Mm-hmm. And that's what is powerful, I believe. Yes, so in addition to the video conference, you know, so if you were a teacher and you had a curriculum of social justice and you used one of these films, would you have the film? You'll also have an opportunity to chat, but is there a workbook or some other handout, or is the teacher to... Um, integrate the film, you know, into the syllabus that they already have. Yes. So uh, besides the film and just the connection with the filmmaker, um, the appointment with the filmmaker, we have curricular activities for each film that are developed based on mm-hmm. the story of the film uh, through our mm-hmm. team of developers and uh, educators, which includes discussion questions, some background information, a case study that is a match mm-hmm. with the song and um, sort of helping the educator, the instructor to bring the story to the center of classroom and make it as a um, engaging conversation, uh, mm-hmm. turn it into an engaging conversation. Um, so based on, for example, for the film about polluted water of Nepal, the case study was select Michigan. And uh, mm-hmm. students uh, would listen to a story about Philip Michigan. Usually the stories are uh, from NPR or a reliable mm-hmm. source. And so they could 
see the comparison, they could start putting um, the story in the context and um, get more out of it. Yes, so it, oh, each okay. um, film has that. Yeah, that's awesome. So there's really an exchange of information across the border. So the kids from Michigan in and around the Flint area were sharing their stories with kids from Nepal, and then were they coming up with strategies that each community can use, you know, when once they get off the call, mm-hmm. has it gotten to that level? Oh, that well, it depends on the so, instructor and educator, yeah. They, mm-hmm. It could go to very deep layers, and sometimes they get really connected, and um, mm-hmm. fascinating projects come out of it, yeah. Okay, so if you are a community organizer, okay, so I'm based here in Chicago, and Chicago has issues. I mean, we have issues on top of issues. So if I were a community mm-hmm. organizer, I had my own curriculum on social justice, I could then join your your community, so to speak. I could peruse the films and see, you know, which one of those documentaries has issues similar to mine, and then I could share them with my community so for, for a film night or something like that or a film festival and then have a community discussion. Is, is that something that has happened Sure, mostly in form of um, in form of like in, inside an institution, um, either at the university or school, or at a company who wants to engage the community um, through those channels that happen. Usually, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. We have a film, for example, about politics and policies of public housing, which was made mm-hmm. by an amazing filmmaker from. Uh, who lived in public housing and grew up in public housing, and she did her dissertation on that. Um, she's the producer of the film, and um, so the film was shared with um, students at Purdue Northwest in Hammond, Indiana, and this conversation with the filmmaker and students who lived in those um, communities was a very amazing conversation and uh, brought so many ideas about projects that they wanted to do on that. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, great, 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 great. So one of your largest segments is, you know, working with schools and academics, right? So one of your goals is to support faculty members in engaging students in the debates on local and global social justice issues, and you also want to connect them to real people, you know, which is something you already said, the, the filmmakers, and inspire them to, to learn. But what are some of the ways that you also support, you know, the teachers and other academics? Yeah, absolutely. And um, so with this um, sort of post from the academia to storyboard, we more switch to um, having educators and uh, and faculty members and teachers as our partners, actually, to mm-hmm. um, help us um, validate the content that we have and help us with the review process and conversations and um, knowledge sharing that we have on this topic. So now, right now, uh, one of the things that we are focusing on is to have as many educators and um, uh, faculty members, instructors, as 
possible to share the films with their community of uh, students on topics that are related to their uh, class mm-hmm. lessons. Um, and the more feedback, the more um, uh, conversation about it on a topic that they are experts and their scholars who are working on the topic would make it um, a richer content for the, for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that we are doing right now is through this um, platform, we are letting educators to use the content, and mm-hmm. um, in return, we are, we are asking for feedback and how they um, see it a relevant topic or relevant film or a relevant story to that topic. So we would love to have more teachers and educators join us uh, as partners mm-hmm. and um, to um, make the platform more reliable and the content more reliable for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I personally see more opportunity for you with community organizers. You know, as, as you talk, mm-hmm. I think about how these stories can be used as case studies and because many of them are from other cities other than Chicago, other countries other than Mm -hmm. the United States, you can talk about Mm -hmm. similar issues without necessarily talking about people, you know, specific players in your own community. And you can use these in the abstract so exactly. I, I see this. Exactly. That's very, very powerful. It is so true. And it's, um, we found the same thing that because the stories are not necessarily about, um, like, the, the, the issues are universal, right? Um, and the, right. the topics are from all around the world. The, the stories are from all around the world. And that's what is powerful mm-hmm. because then you can talk about the issue without worrying about um how it's going to impact because we we then focus on the issue, not uh, on people necessarily. And um, mm-hmm. but we connect the people and it becomes real. It becomes to life. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. Coming to organizers probably are among the most. We also have foundations and nonprofits who use the content uh, content that we have. For example, we have um, uh, autism foundation. Here in Naperville, who used uh, our film about a life with Asperger, which is a very short documentary, Mm. a powerful Mm -hmm. short documentary about the life of one successful person, actually, in New York City. He is a very well-achieved animator, but he lives with Asperger. And the film talks about him and what is Asperger, what, what are the challenges he faced, in a story of his, like his life. And then mm-hmm. the conversation was so powerful because then he joined the video chat with parents of um, students who were on the spectrum. And um, they, they had questions, the students had questions. And he was fascinating in how he responded to those questions. And, and it was just a really engaging conversation. It was uh, really powerful and yeah, absolutely, it could be used in so many different ways because these are real stories. These are real mm-hmm. life stories. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. 
Okay, so I want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to the Nonprofit Utopia podcast, and we're speaking with Dr. Nassim Abdi. She is the CEO and co-founder of Storybolt. Dakamia. I'm sorry. Dakamia. Dakamia. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say Dakamania. I'm like, no, no, no. Okay, Dakamia. Okay, and I'm sorry about that. We are now no ready to take questions. Story bolt. <laughs> okay, story bolt. Story bolt from now on. Okay. Yeah. So we're now ready to take questions and comments from from you, our listening audience. You can post in the chat room. You can give us a call. Our number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. 8121. And see, while we're waiting for people to either post or call, um, you and I just continue our conversation. Sure. So I noticed, I noticed that you have done quite a bit of research, and some of it has suggested that using documentary films is a great method for teaching uniquely. Um, and it informs culturally and socially and a just approach, right? And it contributes to a sophisticated mm-hmm. global vision for students. And, and you got that from Polizzi and San Clemente in, from 2012. However, you've also found that creating a space for fruitful dialogue is a crucial component of these methods. And this, along with the discussion with the filmmakers, that would deepen the conversation and you also have found that that can be challenging, even though it's a wonderful thing, right? So how are you working with faculty members and potentially the activist community to address those issues? In other words, to facilitate those discussions and and make them a little bit less challenging, either logistically or otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Great question. Um so yeah, it is it is a great method, but it has its own limits. And in in the sense that uh, the film um, the filmmakers put average of two years of their life and passion to make a film. Basically, it's like a dissertation for every filmmaker when they make a film. They do lots of research, lots of work on it, and they finally have to make a decision to edit, put some parts out, and take some parts in and make a storyline with it and uh, put it as a film. And we want short documentaries, so that is more, even more challenging. So they have to really um, have a concise uh, story to tell in like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, the challenge is how could you uh, really um, watch the story, but not only like um, be biased, that one story. Mm-hmm. Like, how could you uh, listen a story and uh, listen to a story and hear about the issue uh, with a broader lens? And um, what we found was exactly as I explained to you about the curricular activities is comparison and uh, comparative uh, uh, studies on any issue would bring so much meaning, so much um, uh, more knowledge about any issue. So uh, one of the methods that we are using, uh, and that came also based on my own teaching experience when I was teaching, and many times when we watched a film with my students, if it was about a really 
um, challenging situation in another country or in another culture, all the response uh, you, you got was, oh, poor this community. We are so happy that we don't live there. And that mm-hmm. is not the response of the teacher you want to hear. Uh, as a teacher, you want to focus on the issue, which usually is a universal issue. Um, it mm-hmm. is not like that only that culture or that kind of like part of the work uh, issue or that community's issue. It's broader than that. And when you make it um, in a compar- uh, through a comparison, when you look at it from a mm-hmm. comparison sense, uh, comparative standpoint, then it helps the students to really look at a broader picture and to um, mm-hmm. think about it uh, in a different, um, from a different lens. So most of the time uh, when we have the case studies matched with the films and also suggest a specific film to a specific classroom um, for, based on the topic that they are teaching, these are, mm-hmm. this is a context that creates the powerful experience of looking outside of just that specific universe, uh, specific community or culture and look at it broader. Mm-hmm. That it's our problem. It's not their problem. Uh, mm-hmm. It's our problem as human beings. We need to address it as, as humans, not like just one specific part of the world or community uh, in our city. So that's one of the okay. uh, most important parts that we included. Okay, awesome. We have one question in the chat room, and it looks like we have a caller. So I'm going to take the question from the chat room first, and then I will take the phone call. All right, so sure. Reverend Marcus Tapp asks, how does someone submit a film or documentary to your library or even facilitate a discussion? Great question. So each year we have a, a short documentary contest that is, is going to open pretty soon for this year. So our award ceremony actually is on November 2nd for our third um, short contest. It's going to be at Jim Cisco uh, here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And right after the award ceremony on November 2nd, which is open to public, we would love to have you all there. Uh, it's on gun mm-hmm. violence. Um, right after that, we are going to open our fourth uh, documentary contest, and actually this year we are going with a broader uh, contest on several issues at the same time. It's not on single topic. There are four or five themes that um, we, uh, we open the contest to receive submissions, um, mm-hmm. and we'll make sure to share the link with you, Valerie, when it's open, so you can also share it through uh, your platform. It would be amazing to have more uh, people in our community mm-hmm. here locally, so to speak. Um, and, and is there the a other question for the contest? No. Okay. And free, that's one of okay. the main things, main things, because oh. we want everyone to have access to submit their stories. We don't want to discriminate based on, <laughs> based okay, on the awesome. because we know so, many parts of the world can't. Okay, great. So so the first part of the question, I believe you answered. 
how does someone submit a mm-hmm. film or documentary to your library? So you only accept documentaries once a year, and that's during your contest? I, I think that was part of what he was getting at, too. That's mostly, okay. yeah, that's mostly how we receive films, correct. Okay, and suppose you are a community activist, you are a teacher, you may or may not have a subscription to your community how does one then gain access to the film and then host the conversation in the community mm. or in the school? Is, is it possible to uh, partner with you and do that? It, it is possible. We we try to uh, keep it as a uh, as a subscription membership with even the smallest uh, universities or communities. Mm-hmm. And we do have um, uh, we do have uh, discounted rate or really uh, equal to no cost uh, rates for organizations. The only reason mm-hmm. that we try to do it through organization is the, the access because we don't have mm-hmm. uh, individual membership. It's much easier mm-hmm. to do it through an organization. So we use their mm-hmm. um, model of access. Um, so filmmakers are trusting us and sharing their content with us. We want to make sure that we value that trust and do it the right way. That's why we try to um, use the model that we already have um, mm-hmm. uh, or built into our platform, which is giving um, access to organizations and then members at those mm-hmm. organizations could get access to. Um, so okay. email us at um, info at storybolt.com and you could definitely find a way to make your okay. organization become a member. Yeah. Okay. So basically, this is a members-only arrangement. One has to become a member, and then for mm-hmm. the members who are yeah. generally organizations, companies, and universities or schools, they can then work with you to make that content available either through a cohort of people participating in your program or a class or a cohort of executives in the program at their corporation. That's correct. And that's because of kind of license agreement that we have with our filmmakers. Okay. I get it. That license agreement, yeah. Yeah, that's very, very helpful. Okay, um, we're running close on time. We've got about 10 minutes, and we have quite a few questions, and then I believe this might be Linda holding. Do you have a hard stop at 3 o'clock, or can we go through the questions? No, I can I can continue a little after. I have oh, a little okay. time after All right. that. I, sure. Okay, hold on. I I believe this might be Linda. I'm not sure. Hi. Hi, can you hear me? Hi, is this Linda? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, this is Linda. Hi, Valerie. How are you? I'm great. And yourself? I'm doing all right. So, um, I was Hi, Linda. Wondering... Hello. I was hoping um, I, I could ask the museum a little bit more about what's coming up on November 2nd mm-hmm. at the Teens and School sure. Film Center. Um, and sure. the other question that I had for her, um, she knows that I went to, um, I think it was her second film festival, and uh, 
uh, it was a really, really wonderful experience. So um, I would just encourage anybody to go because um, these films just are just, they open your eyes to all kinds of things that you never knew about in the world. Mm -hmm. And these filmmakers are really tremendous people. Um, the, the winner um, from the year that I uh, went was, it was a documentary short about um, deaf women in the Congo and um, just how they go about living their daily lives and the discrimination they face and the problems mm-hmm. that they have with their families and communities and um, people helping to, you know, overcome the, the stigmas and and hardships that they faced in their life and uh, it was it was just a beautiful beautiful film and the filmmaker you know talking to him he was you know he's very passionate about making films like this and and bringing mm-hmm. stories like this to the world even though you know he's not doing it to to make millions of dollars or get rich so um you know it was it was a really good experience and i'm super glad that i went um and mm-hmm. so i was just wondering you know why this year um, the focus on, you know, being more local to Chicago and the issue of gun violence? Yeah, thanks, Linda. Um, I appreciate the question. And uh, yes, last year was fascinating. I, I believe like all these films are really amazing stories and it's fascinating to hear from the filmmaker. Uh, the, like when they joined the conversation, it's amazing to hear what they've gone through to make the film. So this year, the the theme is gun violence, actually locally and globally. So we have Mm -hmm. uh, films that are exactly about Southside Chicago and what uh, our communities here are going through and um, the stories of people, not not numbers again, stories of people who are dealing with the issue every day. And also globally in other countries who experience mass shootings or um, um, similar um, situations. And um, actually this year, the, the, uh, the award ceremony uh, is a little different and we're so excited about it. Our whole team is going to be there and we're very excited about it. It's from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Jim Cisco. Um, and it starts with an art exhibition. The art exhibition has been curated by artists from School of Arts Institute of Chicago, um, and they work with art educators at um, local elementary schools in Southside Chicago, uh, from O Block, one of the deadliest mm-hmm. um, blocks in Chicago, and they're working with elementary students to bring their artwork to the exhibition, and it's amazing when you look at those. Um, little hands are for you can you can basically hear the story you you can hear what they're going through you can watch it mm-hmm. and understand what they are going through it's very powerful and also they are curating an uh, art exhibition based on the story of the films that they got submitted so we can't unfortunately screen all the films but they are making um, this art exhibition to um have an opportunity for everyone to understand the other stories that we cannot screen on that day. And then mm-hmm. after that, it's going to be the uh, at the uh, movie theater, uh, we're going to watch the winning documentary and uh, we're going to have a Q&A with the filmmaker followed by a panel discussion. Uh, this year, we are so honored to have Kim Snyder, who uh, Kim mm-hmm. is the filmmaker of 
Sandy Hook shooting, um, Newtown, Connecticut, which was an amazing documentary that was awarded in so many places. She is one of our judge um, jury members for this year. And uh, she's going to be there to facilitate a panel discussion with uh, community um, activists um, and students from March for Our Lives um, uh, movement. Um, and David Sherry, um, the amazing director of um, All Star Chicago, um, mm-hmm. he's going to be there as a moderator. So we have amazing people joining together to give voice to these stories, to give voice to survivors of gun violence, whether it be mm-hmm. um, in um, uh, in Southside Chicago or people who suffered from mass shootings at schools. We have students who are joining the panel discussion uh, from the movement. So uh, it's going to be a really um, lively and interesting uh, dialogue about the Mm -hmm. issue and also hopefully some action items that you could take from there. So it shouldn't stay as just a dialogue, but also it's a topic Mm -hmm. that we are also frustrated with and so want to do something about it that we are hoping to have some action items and um, know what to do after that, at least something <laughs> to do. Mm-hmm. So we, yeah, we, we would love to invite everyone. Um, the event is open on Eventbrite right now. And um, uh, we would love to have as many people um, who are passionate about the topic to come and watch these okay. films and talk with the awesome. people who make so this. So this is your third annual award ceremony, and it's gun Correct. violence locally and globally. And this is mm-hmm. at the Gene Siskel Film Center, and that's November second mm-hmm. from eleven to two. Is is that correct? Okay. That's and correct. when you and okay, and when you send me a link, I can post it in the episode page, and I can also make sure that I mm-hmm. include this on my next newsletter and on my blog to help you thank you promote it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And just thank you so much. And just uh, so everyone knows, we are going to have uh, three um, great um, appetizers that is served by um, a caterer from Southside Chicago, um, whose mm-hmm. passion is also to end gun violence. And, um, and all the uh, proceeding from the tickets go to Dulles, uh, Dulles Elementary School in Southside Chicago. So everything is sort of dedicated um, to help with the issue. Um, I'll definitely share the link with you right now, Valerie. Okay. All right. Great. So question for you. How, how did you get the students and their parents engaged? You know, that's one of the struggles that we find across the city, getting people you know, especially the students who are not in high school, getting them engaged in the issue and, mm-hmm. you know, staying engaged and, and actually helping you to produce such a program. So actually we are part, uh, partnering with, we couldn't do this alone, obviously. It's, uh, it's a, mm-hmm. uh, it is an issue that is way bigger than us and we have to all become partners and, help each other to make it happen. And we are partnering with Humanity Rising, which is this amazing um, nonprofit that already worked with um, 
with high schools um, here in Chicago and um, all around the country and support the mm-hmm. students' movement. And uh, Humanity Rising basically is the organization that is connecting us to students. And also with this panel, specific panel, um, Kim Snyder is making her current oh, yeah. film about uh, Parkland. Yeah, and that she's connected with um, many amazing students who are now activists mm-hmm. on this issue. And um, basically giving voice to all of these younger generation. <laughs> I think they are mm-hmm. way ahead of us, honestly. <laughs> we have to follow them. <laughs> we don't need to. <laughs> it's amazing so are you to, guys going to uh, hear from them? Okay, so you're going to be connecting with CNN, and you, can, you guys can do this as a follow-up story to all those stories they've been doing on the Parkland shooting. Um, absolutely. Anyone who wants to give a voice to this event, we, we appreciate it, okay. and we are, we are open to it. Why not? We would love mm-hmm. to um, put a spotlight yeah, on all of these amazing people there. Yeah. yeah I think that will be a great hook for you. All righty. I yeah, I just wanted to to say a couple words about Linda. Linda, I met her through a mutual friend at NetSuite. Um and Linda is with NetSquared and NetSquared I believe is an affiliate of TechSoup and Linda's also a business owner. So Linda would never ever tell you these things about herself unprompted. So I'm going to ask her one more time to you know give us a little bit more information about yourself, Linda, NetSquare, TechSoup, and your business. Oh, sure. No, not a problem. Um, so the relationship between um, TechSoup and um, NetSquare is that TechSoup, yes, yeah, te- TechSoup is. Um, and a nonprofit organization whose own, only goal is to um, try to help nonprofits use gain access to tech resources and use them as as best as possible to fulfill their mission. So TechSoup for any nonprofits that are out there that are struggling with using technology. Um, they, it's one of the websites that they really need to know about, um, and they can mm-hmm. go there. Um, TechSoup has, um, first off, it has a whole catalog of um, discounted tech items that includes software, hardware. It includes um, SaaS products, which is software as service products. So um, things like they have things like QuickBooks. They have um, Google for nonprofits. They have Microsoft Office at discounted rates for um, 501c nonprofits and for libraries, if anybody's listening that is a librarian. So um, mm-hmm. that is a really great resource. Um, NetSquared are, um, is a network of volunteer-run um, meetup groups that um, try to help nonprofits struggling with technology figure out what, what are the best, best resources to choose, how to implement them. Um, so we're just, we're kind of like the um, in-person resource for people to figure out how um, to choose and use technology 
and ways to help them um, improve their uh, their organizations and achieve their missions. And um, that's why, you know, I really also like what Dr. Demia and Storybolt are doing. Um, they're doing something, mm-hmm. you know, in a sense, it's a, it's a business approach to, you know, what nonprofits do, but some of what nonprofits are facing, you know, these days, as you know, is donor fatigue and other types of things where you get all of these different emails over and over again and um, going to the same fundraiser over and over again. So sometimes Mm -hmm. people drop off and become less engaged. And um, so, you know, something like a storybook um, can give Mm -hmm. people different ways to get engaged with people and Mm -hmm. perhaps provide, um, there are, we know of, uh, nonprofits here in Chicago that are producing documentaries. So, if we can also provide avenues for that work to be shown, and for those filmmakers mm-hmm. and organizations to have other sources of income, you know, that's that's the type of thing that I think we're all trying to build. You know, mm-hmm. right? We're trying to help You're people right. that actually want to make positive change in the world. We want to bring them together and work together. Mm-hmm help each other out and uh, really try to make the world a better place as corny as that we found, but that's the goal. Right. Somebody has to do it. And another project that Linda and I were going to work on, um, Linda shared with a group of us, a project sponsored by our last guest, you know, from Civicus and every year Civicus, the Civicus Alliance, I believe, they um, they have a day of service, a day of action all around the world. And one of the things that they like to do, not only do they like to have people engaged in conversations, perhaps around food, but another favorite project of theirs is to have a, a film, a discussion around a film. And, you know, Linda thought that we could have enough time to do that event, she found out about it, you know, very short notice and decided not to, and then she reached out to Nassim, who was actually doing this film festival, but I'm just wondering if, you know, for next year we can put our heads together and try to be a part of Nick's, um, you know, be a part of Nick's, uh, the Civic Alliance, Civicus Alliances, or Civicus Global Alliance, be a part of their thing for next year. I think that would be a wonderful idea. I'm all for it. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yes, indeed. And and then I guess this could be kind of a one-two punch for Nassim. And I got a question from Marcus Tab. He says he would love to be introduced to Net Squared, and I will make that happen, Marcus Tab. Now, back to Nassim. <laughs> <laughs> Nassim, thank you so much for being a guest. Yeah. And I can imagine, I can imagine with all of what you've been able to accomplish over the years, both as an entrepreneur doing this work, or really not both, as an entrepreneur, as a teacher, as well as someone who is civically engaged. What are some of the lessons that you've learned, you know, that come top to top of mind? 
Well, thank you. And I uh, truly enjoyed the conversation that you had and learning about all that. Uh, <laughs> Take soup and everything. Um, well, honestly, the biggest thing that is sort of the center of um, all that I'm doing is real authentic connections with people. That every person that I meet is a VIP, very important person, <laughs> and uh, to mm-hmm. listen to their stories and to um, try to understand their perspective and background. Um, in teaching and in um, in uh, the activism that I've had and also now at uh, Storyable is all that we are trying to do. <laughs> I guess mm-hmm. that's something that everybody else, uh, I've heard so many amazing people have done really grateful on that and I hope that you can also contribute a little bit on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I am really, really excited and yeah, I have a couple ideas for you ladies that, that I'll approach you with offline. But um <laughs> sure. <laughs> Feel free. Um okay, awesome. All right, I, I noticed that we have um at least one other person. Um observation learning, I believe. Do Observation all learning in the chat room. Do you have a question that you'd like to share before we leave? I'm winding down now. Okay. All righty. I don't yet see a question posted, so I'm going to wrap this up. Linda, I thank you so much for calling in and sharing and adding to the conversation. I think you added a, a very wonderful piece. I, I thank Marcus Tab, Reverend Marcus Tab, for contributing to the conversation. We will definitely make sure that we follow up with you. I'm going to make an introduction between yourself and Linda, and perhaps maybe at some point you might be part of our little cabal of collaborators. And until <laughs> such time, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if people have noticed, but Linda's like a little pied piper. Every every one of <laughs> every time I talk to her, it's, it's a new collaboration, which is wonderful. So I, I thank you so amazing. much for that, Linda. All righty. So we have come to the end of our show, and I'd like to thank Nassim Abdi. She's the CEO and co-founder of Storyboat Doc Doc Media. Oh no, I did that wrong. Did I? Storybolt.com. That's enough. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Storybolt. <laughs> yeah. She's, yeah, she's the CEO uh-huh. and founder of Storybolt. And I do apologize. Please forgive me, all right? I'm sorry. No worries. So, no worries. Honestly, Valerie, that, that was one of the reasons that we thought we, we needed a new name because Academia sounds like being a challenging name for many people. And you're not the only one who. Um, have hard time reading because we have so many other people who are complaining about that. So let's go and story both. And we are like totally happy with that. The Dokumania, <laughs> what she called it, Dokumania. Yeah, that's like also that. a cool you can, name. You can, yeah. you can get, you know, the, the, um, you know, the monster truck rally guy. Yeah, that's a cool name. I agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so, Mark, so before we, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so before we go, Nassim, 
tell us about your event and then give us any parting thoughts and how we can reach you. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, the event is the third award ceremony about gun violence locally and globally on November 2nd at Jim Cisco, Chicago. And it's from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. I sent you the link to Eventbrite, um, Valerie, so please mm-hmm. feel free to um, share it um, with the audience. And uh, we would love to have you all there. Um, it's going to be a really engaging conversation about the issue with um, community organizers and activists and um and amazing people who are engaged, involved in the movement, and also watching the film mm-hmm. that is um, about the issue. Um, and the best way to contact me is my email, Nassim, N-A-S-S-I-M, at storybolt.com. And it's um, storybolt, exactly as you say, it is S-T-O. R-Y-E-O-L-T dot com. Okay, great. Great, great, great. And Linda, did you have any parting thoughts? Um, No, just, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it'll be a great event. And um, I hope that all of us can figure out ways to work together again in the future. Okay, you got it. Exactly. Okay, I'll be in in touch with you both. And I wanted to remind our listening audience to be sure and join us next week for another lively episode of Nonprofit Utopia. You can sign up for a reminder right on this episode page. We'll be talking with Shelby Parchman. Shelby is the founder of In Urban Strategies, LLC. He will be talking about some of the work he's doing with the city of Chicago on their food program, working with food entrepreneurs as well as nonprofit organizations that are working in the food industry. And then I got another message from Reverend Marcus Tabb. He says, I'm interested in the – yeah, in the film festival, and know some folks working with GVP. So, I will definitely I'll put Reverend Marcus Tab in contact with both of you for different reasons. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, Sounds Reverend Marcus Tab is. Yeah, he's he's definitely interested in the film festival, and he's definitely interested in learning more information about Net Squared, and if he. And if he stays on long enough, I'm going to rope him into <laughs> into our mm-hmm. other collaborations. Oh, GVP, Gun Violence Prevention. Ah, okay. Prevention, yes. Mm-hmm. All righty. So thank you very, very much, ladies. Thank and you. I will thank you, talk to you later. Thanks for the opportunity. Have a great day. Thanks, Linda. Bye. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.